0: Creepy Uncle Joe? Bernie Sanders? William Weld? Could any of these guys unseat Trump? Could anyone at all? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And I usually try to get to the really important stories of the week, the thing that is going to have a major impact on the rest of our lives. And I'm telling you, the news this week was just full of creepy Uncle Joe. It was so weird that Joe Biden's uh, strange behavior took the center stage for this whole week, when I'm sure there was lots more going on, and uh, to add a little spice to it. There was a little tete-a-tete between Joe and Trump. And the the basic story is that, and this is not a new story, like the video I was looking, the video compilation of Creepy Uncle Joe is two years old already. So uh, he... he, um, The story with him is that he touches women inappropriately. And when you look at these videos it's it's like he has a hair fetish. I mean, I think that's basically what it is because he's doing this too. I'm sure one of the women I saw had to have been over 100. I mean, she was just old and totally creeped out. Then there's a little, little girl, a couple of little girls. He gets so close, but it just, it really looks like he's smelling their hair. And there was one where he's just hanging on to hillary clinton they're coming off a plane if you've seen any of these compilations you've probably seen this one where like he's at the bottom of the stairs and he's like got her around the waist which i'm sure who knows what apparatus she has under those pantsuits nobody wants that and so he's like holding on to her she's clearly trying to get away and what it actually i could see i I, so the question is does that disqualify him it definitely does not disqualify him Because he's 35 years old and presumably was born in this country. So that doesn't disqualify him. Uh, But, and and does it even like rise to the level of sexual harassment? I don't really think so. But I will tell you this, what you could see there and what I've noticed, because I've, uh, in, in the day, I've had really more than my fair share of, sexual harassment and a lot of times what they're doing is they're they're making inroads and it doesn't look like this ever went anywhere with him so that isn't what he was doing i don't think but they're making inroads by kind of invading your space and daring you to kind of push back or react and you're not because they're in a superior position and you don't want to be rude so you give them the best possible reading and they're, they're literally preying on your good manners. That's that to me, that's at the heart of sexual harassment. And then as they take more and more liberties at a certain point, you feel like, oh, I, I guess I should have like drawn the line. But, you know, I was giving them the benefit of the doubt. And I, that's what I tell my daughter. I'm like, if you ever feel like the slightest bit weird, you're right. And you need to just say, hey, you know, get out of the situation or say you feel weird or whatever, because if you let that go, then you somehow, they always end up saying to you like, what? You, you know, you're so you let me smell your hair? <laughs> you know? So uh, unless people say he did take it the next step, I, I don't have any reason to think that. Uh that. And, and here's the thing about what disqualifies a person. The the foibles and quirks that people have and everybody has them is really is only as important as the media wants it to be. So they can they can ignore the most important stuff and they emphasize stuff that really isn't that important. And if you if you peel the onion one more layer, you realize there's a reason for that or certainly uh, having something in the closet for safety's sake is kind of a must potentially I mean this is how I think it works so you let's assume that my premise is correct which you don't have to assume we're going to go down the rabbit hole for a little while then we're going to climb back out but let's just go down the rabbit hole for a little while so you can they you're being selected if you're if you're in that position, you're being selected. And why do they why will they select you? Well they'll select you because you can win, but also because they control you. See that's what I think kind of happened with JFK and Nixon and Reagan. They were in there. They were selected. They were part of the scene. And maybe even Gerald Ford, uh, Although, in his case, Nelson Rockefeller was his VP, so that is probably reason enough to get shot at. But with the other guys, I think they were real insiders, but they couldn't be controlled because they were also real men. And I think that's why Watergate was a coup, JFK's assassination was a coup, and um, the attempted assassination of Reagan, I think, was an attempted coup. And maybe even an effective coup because he was different after that. But my point is that they, they need to be able to control the candidate, the the elected person, and so so they bring out or suppress whatever. And and the day that I'm talking about is that is the place not not getting any higher than this, but the place where money and media meet. Wh- wherever that place is, it's a place above the parties, and it's a place that that brings in a lot of factions, defense spending, um, debt. So that you know interest spending, all this kind of stuff, um, who's benefiting from the power of government? So I believe that the media and where media money meets, they kind of structure how they want these things to go, and what they want to emphasize or not emphasize about candidates and and I look at the Joe Biden thing and i feel like in this early stage since media is a big part of this it could be that every week or every month they're just going to highlight and maybe take down one after another of the i think now 20 people who are running for president for 2020 and i and i look at someone like joe biden and my gut tells me that a white guy is not getting the democratic nomination this time around i just don't see that happening be and and for one of two reasons, either because, you know, you just see all this identity politics coming around and intersectionality where like you have to cat, you have to be able to check a couple of boxes, sex or sexual orientation and um, an ethnicity or a, an oppressed creed or whatever. You have to have like some boxes to check uh, victim boxes. Is that a way to put it? Or just a, uh, an under uh, underdog box. So if they, so That seems to be what's happening in the Democrat Party, and if they want – so they either – they might actually want that, or maybe they want that. Ultimately, they think that the entire country isn't ready for that. The Democrat Party is ready for it, but that if they actually get that person out there whose main selling point is identity – and you'll hear them say that. Like, if you see a black woman, you should trust her. Wasn't that Stacey Abrams? Binkley, my producer, is here. Binkley – you played us a lot of clips over the times where I think it was Stacey Abrams who said was it wasn't where it was a Kamala Harris. Like if you see you should trust when you see a black woman, you know, they are coming from a place where you can trust.
1: Stacey Abrams and her campaign people have said a lot of things kind of like that.
0: Yeah. So so that I think works on the Democrat side. But is that going to swing the whole country? And I feel like with Obama, it did swing the whole country because we had a lot of hope that, th- that his presidency would put racial division behind us. And I, and I don't think that's what we're looking at now. So I don't think they can necessarily count on that swinging the whole country. But so, so the way I see it is that you're going to have a person of intersectionality versus Trump. And who does, who do the, which one of those is the powers that be going to select and why? And the way I look at it, you, they might actually want Trump because the ideology of tyranny is division. And that can only happen in a democracy where they get people fighting against each other instead of looking up and seeing that, all the guys at the top are, are increasing the debt, are increasing the wars, and it keeps us distracted. Now, it would also work if you flip that and you put the person of intersectionality up there, maybe somebody who's kind of um, antagonistic, combative, like Trump, where you get a Jesse Smollett thing, where you see this, this – the embodiments of the dialectic in that a person is both – of privilege and a victim. And that that might, you know, if you if the goal was to kind of oppress and antagonize the MAGA hat crowd and you put that person in, it would certainly there would be conflict domestically. But if you look at the foreign policy element, I can see that Trump would be the one that they would want for this reason or the kind of macro stuff because for one thing, if If the economy is going to blow up because of longstanding policies of zero interest rate and stuff that has to kind of never really correct it, and I'm not 100 percent sure that that powder keg is still going to explode. The debt is what worries me the absolute most, and if there is rising interest rates, that's going to be devastating fast. So I worry about that. I just wonder who's going to be holding that powder keg when it explodes. They probably need another term for Trump if they want him to be the one to hold it. At least, but I think he might be there to light a powder keg that then a Democrat can take in the foreign policy arena. So stuff he's doing seems rather antagonistic, and maybe maybe one two more years is going to be enough for him. But declaring the Golan Heights for Israel, uh, he's probably going to veto the the resolution to get out of Yemen, and he even proposed, I think, re-proposed. Categorizing the Islamic Revolutionary Guard of Iran as a terrorist organization, and these, th- and plus what's going on in Venezuela, these things will—if they create um, action abroad, another war, or whatever you want to call it—and it's fully engaged by the time he leaves office. A Democrat could take over, and we would all agree. Well, once you start it, you got to finish it, you know. But it would help the Democrats maintain that uh anti-war thing, which Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is trying to act like she's one of those. But they can afford to have one or two people like that. But the the reality is I think they're all on board with what that, that big money wants. So do we uh so what who they want up there matters, but it's not They can't just cram it down your throat. So what we want, what what the zeitgeist says, what the people are feeling also really matters. So we need to look at how we can affect it or just which way the wind is blowing. Is this really Trump's to lose as the economy continues to do well, for example, or is it Is it a no-brainer? He'll never get a second term. So I want to know what you think. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show.
2: Monica Perez. Everything you do is being watched by some all-seeing eye. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB.
0: Talking about whether you think... Anybody really poses a threat to Trump right now? And, and maybe you think it's obvious he's going to get he's going to be booted. I do not think that is obvious. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty one eight hundred WSB Talk. I'm going to Mike and Claremont. Hey, Mike, you're on with Monica.
3: Thank you, Monica. You were talking about Trump regards to foreign relationship, and I think about North Korea. I spent a tour overseas, and I was in Japan, Korea, and Philippines, and things like that. They always had that nuclear threat over their head. I'm not saying it's not over the head, but the first time, there's there's daylight. And when I say daylight, it, it reminds me of retail. Although the last time they say when he went to Vietnam, he didn't accomplish anything with North Korea, but they did. He exposed North Korea to the type of economy that he could have in North Korea should they come on board with Trump. So all of a sudden, he's had his appetite wet. So I think that not only is Trump great with the the financial aspect of it, but his foreign policy has got more credence to it than anybody. And it's refreshing that we have somebody in there that really does have a pair of donuts. But uh, <laughs> y- you take a look at NATO. NATO wasn't paying their fair share. Our friends, as well as our enemies, were all thinking about it. China has just been playing us like. We were-
0: My show, Mike. I'm a lady. You're working blue.
3: I didn't know it was a bad word.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding around with you. Just trying to inject a little levity. Um, okay. I got no. I'm only kidding around with you. I uh, I have to take a break, but I want to respond to both uh, the North Korea thing and the NATO thing. I have a little bit of a different take on it, but I love your take, and I'm going to respond to it after the break. Thanks, million, really, Mike. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty one eight hundred WSB Talk. This is Monica Perez.
2: Monica Perez. And now for something completely different. On News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB.
0: I am your libertarian voice on WSB, Saturdays from 3 to 6, talking about could, what's your gut on if Trump is a shoe-in in 2020? If the I don't even care about that. Can anyone really beat him? If Is the strategy from the other side, which I think is going to be to emphasize identity, is that a strategy that can win the nation or just the Democratic primary? Uh, and on the other hand, didn't James Carville, the great, The I mean great as in uh, intelligent, insightful, Machiavellian Democratic operatives say that it's the economy stupid. And with this week's good economic news and the stock market uh, continuing to make people rich, a little choppier than it was, not as high as it was. But um, people don't like to rock the boat. So there's a chance that that's what's going on. I just had a call before the break from Mike who said that he thinks Trump is doing a great job on North Korea. Uh, and NATO, and I I do have – I like to peel the onion. I like to propose possible deeper motives, that it's not simply Trump being Batman and having a great foreign policy and just seeing something that he needs to fix and fixing it or going in strong or whatever, that there might be some stuff a little deeper. And one thing I wonder about North Korea and Vietnam and some of those countries – is I believe I, I might have read this somewhere or pieced it together, but it's just something to watch out for. When I have a hashtag WTWOF, what to watch out for is if China is kind of losing its productivity because their wages are going up and they need places to have to put their factories where the wages are still rock bottom and communist places, places who have not experienced the uh, great productivity improvements of the past decades like Vietnam or North Korea may be really a place where China would want to exploit for cheap labor and maybe we we help them do that somehow by breaking down the barriers I don't know and then the other I hope for the best I hope that we're what we're looking for is just a, a free market but I have a feeling that North Korea would be captured by China and uh, if they if they were to open up and NATO. Uh I worry about about encouraging a lot of other countries to ramp up their defense spending. I think they should pull their own weight. I, I'm not a fan actually of NATO. I think um I would be what the founders might call a continentalist that your your allies are really at your borders. We have a couple of oceans and a couple of countries, and from there we can defend ourselves and we have no business being Way out there, but and you know, if one somebody in NATO goes to war, we have to go to war with them. Turkey is still in NATO. What are you going to do then? I, I, then do you just get to break it because well, we didn't really mean it because we don't, you know what I mean? Or do you control their policies? Then do you go in and say we have to control your policies? So I don't mind so much that they should do their own defense. That's fine, but we at the moment, the United States, spends roughly half of the world's defense dollars. So if NATO is going to ramp up their spending, I would hope that we would get to uh let ours fall back a little bit. But I don't think that's going to happen and then you got to wonder how much of this is just uh you know wealth redistribution from the taxpayer to the fa- defense companies, oil companies, big banks. So I you know, I'm not a big fan of that stuff cuz the numbers don't seem to make s- sense to me. I'm going to go to Maurice in Stone Mountain. Maurice, you are on with Monica. Hi
4: there. Um, I don't know if you saw the article from The Hill about Biden um, back at the end of uh, the Obama administration being in Ukraine. And there's recordings of him bragging about how he forced. Uh, them to fire a prosecutor.
0: Uh, I did see th- that article, and I saw yeah. I saw that little video, and I was so turned off by it, Maurice, and I bet you, you had the same uh, cringy reaction, which was that guy in that video was clearly a, a shill, a Western shill, who opened by saying that the territory, we lost our territory, it wasn't right, I mean, surely you know the real story behind Ukraine. Yeah. Yes. So I was a little put off yeah. by that whole thing because if you listen to Victoria Newland's hidden audio, yeah. she talks about getting Biden to come over and seal the deal on the coup that took out the democratically elected president of Ukraine. And so I was looking for that when I clicked through on that article and I listened to the video and I didn't get what I wanted. So maybe that's confirmation bias. I don't know. But um, so what so so what did you think the smoking gun was in that he got the prosecutor fired? But but isn't his well, benefit from was, Ukraine much greater than that with his son and everything?
4: Uh, yeah, for sure. Well, it was just I mean, the point being that it, it was uh, the prosecution was against his son, or the company associated with his son. Um, I just thought that the, there's another probe, too, that's coming up, too, out of the Ukraine. Um, I just thought that was relevant. That's probably, I mean, I think that Biden is a gone, you know, for this reason and others. Uh,
0: you bring up a great, great point that I've been noticing more and more and more is that, They're they're going nuts on this thing with Biden being creepy, which the video I saw was two years old already. And you could have probably made one 10 years ago. Right. And yet and then he seems like this creepy guy, kind of like not that smart or whatever. And then and then you see what's really going on, that payola, real um, bringing down countries for your own benefit. And you wonder it's just like that story that we've talked about. I'm sure you've heard us talk about it. Time and time again about the new knowledge who wrote the report for the Senate on Russian bots being Russian bots attacking Roy Moore. And why doesn't I I understand why CNN doesn't talk about that night and day, but why doesn't Fox News talk about that night and day? Why aren't they really talking about this thing with Biden? Because because at the highest levels, it's like Operation Fast and Furious. They don't really want to tell you what's going on up there.
4: Well, uh, not to go too dark about it, but I mean, I think there's more to the children thing with Biden than is just meeting Uh, the eye there.
0: uh, You know, Uh, there are so many um, connections on the pedophilia stuff. Oh, this reminds me that I, I was somebody tweeted to me this little standalone article about Kirsten Gillibrand's father. Having They're
4: connected the, to Nexium,
0: yes, and and yeah. so that and she was, is
4: too. I think I think I heard she has a tattoo, on her uh, belly. I I, I'm not I read sure that, about
0: but, that, I don't know. But but that guy, I believe that his connection with Nexium, which was if I if I have it correctly, it was a a, a, a sex slavery cult. Like people were arrested yeah. for that. Like exactly, and real Small famous.
4: Real. Yeah.
0: Yeah, real famous. Star. Say it again.
4: Yeah, uh, famous star for, of smell, uh, Smallville. Was, right, uh, but it busted. but it was
0: bankrolled by a real, real rich. Oh chair. yeah,
4: Bonfman's, Yeah, her, the daughter. In fact, she. Claire. I mean, that's a whole story unto itself. I mean,
0: she got a million dollar money. Yeah. bond put up for that <laughs> right. because she was in so much trouble. And this is, but what I wasn't even going to mention that, except that Gillibrand. I was so. So for this show, I was just reading through all the people, all the big, big names who declared to run for president. And she was one of them and her issue. And so everybody had like issues in this little article I was reading. And hers was about women's rights and sexual harassment and hashtag me too and coming after Trump on that. And I was like, what? Nerve. And in the article, of course, it doesn't say anything about that. Right. And it's in the record. This is a conspiracy theory. These are criminal cases.
4: You know that Avenatti was involved in that case. In fact, uh, one of the defendants faded when Avenatti's name was brought up in trial. I mean not is so convoluted.
0: I don't remember uh, his. Uh, in, do you know what his engagement was in it, Avenatti?
4: He was hired at one point during... Uh, for one of these defendants of nexium i mean the other thing is that jesse smollett's lawyer starts with a g is involved in the nexium trial too Uh, No, he's involved in getting uh, the nike uh, yeah yeah, i have to i I just want
0: to clarify with the nexium thing gillibrand's father was uh the article i read said that definitely the stepmother was in the cult i think it Said that the father was in the cult too, but his connection, why he's got um, financial or uh, legal dispute with them is that they didn't want to pay him for some legal work he did for them. So I encourage people to just try to get to the bottom of that. I didn't uh, right. do independent research. I read a couple of articles, but I would – when I read about Gillibrand and her her uh, right. cause celeb, I would like right. to know a little bit more about what uh, – I think it it exposes that there's stuff going on behind the scenes that doesn't even rise to the level of being talked about.
4: So I know, I know.
0: And- I, I
4: I tell you, you know me for uh, re- deep rabbit hole stuff. I'll just throw this out as a really interesting and I believe true. I saw the interview of this young guy whose girlfriend was recruited in New Haven or something to go to a Nexium. Recruitment party back, way back in, you know, before the the notoriety. And he, I mean, this is surreal, but he describes that the attendees were, uh, let's see, uh, Wiener, uh, Stormy Daniels, um, uh, Wiener's wife, uh, you know,
0: yeah, uh, Homa Abedin. And,
4: right. And well, uh, that he was, you know, he they forced him out when they did their thing. You know, it's, they do weird, you know, it's like a, it's really, it was a mind control thing. Um,
0: yes, it, I, I think that's true. I'm going to ask you, Maurice, I'm going to, I want to take another call before my break. I'm going to ask you to... If you, if you could tweet at me that video and that implication, because the Stormy Daniels thing, to me, she's a very creative person, especially after Binkley gave us all that hidden audio of how she was running an operation in Florida of a political nature. Uh, but I don't think of her as a real big player like that. Anyway, I'd love to see the video. Thank you very much for bringing us down to the rabbit hole. I don't want to miss Mike, though. I think you've got something important to say, Mike. And Jefferson, you are on with Monica.
5: Uh, Monica, a couple of things. Uh, It seems like if it is a level playing field that Trump would win. Uh, It also seems like those converts that have swung over his way uh, within the last six, eight months, according to the polls, are unlikely to be swayed back. Um, But it seems to me like the uh, election, the popular vote at least, is not going to be decided by so much of what people think of his policies it seems like it's gonna. The uh, Democrats are gonna gear it more to the. I don't want to offend any sixth graders, but to the sixth grade level, and uh, we don't yet. We don't yet know the impact of all the immigrants that have come in, but, but little things are happening. Like you remember on the last two statewide elections, like the governor, and the one before that. Uh, a lot of outside money's coming here, and then within the last two months, we've heard that a uh, the only other conservatives so to speak, uh, talk show in Atlanta has been bought out by a California um, religious organization that just operates strictly off of donations. So they're going to, in a major market, they're going to command down. instead of 24-7 conservative people that you may be familiar with, this is your main, probably your main competitor in Atlanta, it's going to be someone else. And with the razor-thin margins, that uh, for this, to me, it seemed like it was razor thin with Stacey Abrams, that could be enough um, to swing the deal. And if they're doing that over the whole country, um, you know, it's uh, we don't want to take anything for granted.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And I actually think that the way they do it, first of all, they can get the popular vote if they really want to. So if they care about that, just go into L.A., and New York, whatever, just gin that up and don't do it where it's not going to come out Democrat. And then... They're so specific about what they target as far as the electoral college. I mean, you wouldn't really have to spread it that thin. Uh, You might – you can get purple states, but maybe even just flip flip states. Like they want to turn them blue, doing just what you said, just uh, targeting from the outside – so it is possible, and then in which case I would think that it would that our uh, our troubles would not be over as far as antagonism is concerned. I imagine that we're in for some some conflict conflicty days ahead let's uh let's keep talking about this eight hundred wsB talk four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty you can tweet at me at Monica perez show
2: monica Perez
0: It's like everything I've been brought to believe was all made of bull-
2: on news 95.5 five five at a m seven fifty w s b
0: so Mike is right. We should not take this election lightly, and I don't. And I think we were we were tapping into something that is going to be very important. It's if if they can flip – purple slates, obviously, but if they can flip red states to blue. Like, here's a question for you. Do you think – I'll throw it out to the audience. Do you think that if Stacey Abrams runs, she would win Georgia? 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Um, Binkley, you were saying that Colorado, is that true? Like Colorado, are you sure if Colorado signed the pact? Yes, to they did. Okay. The All National right,
1: so Popular the, Vote Interstate Pact, Compact.
0: And that's where you will put your electoral votes into, you'll wait until the popular vote is counted in the entire country, and then you will dedicate your electoral votes to that popular winner.
1: That's correct. And they have to get 270 electoral votes to sign on to it. And they're at 70 percent of that right now. They have 15 states.
0: Okay, so I for me, I don't it doesn't matter to me if all the blue states sign it. But Colorado is is really a purple state, right? Pretty much. So that's very serious indeed. Uh, Let's let's keep this conversation going. Who do you think could really beat Trump? This is Monica Perez. This is your last chance.
2: After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.
0: This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice, on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSV, every Saturday from 3 to 6, Bringing you my take on the most important issues of the week, especially from a libertarian perspective, which allows me to see through the partisanship that your 24-7 cable cycle is uh, a slave to. So that being said, the biggest seemed like the thing that was on that 24-7 cycle nonstop this week was creepy Joe Biden smelling people's hair and then getting made fun of by Trump. Like this is what this is how slow this news week was. I feel it's like like when you watch a series, which I think this is basically like they'll they'll have a great episode and then they'll like kind of take a week off and set it up. And then the next week is like another great episode. So this is maybe like the off week and next week is gonna be a huge news week. But uh, this is where we are right now. And there are a lot of important policy issues. I actually have some stuff I want to talk about. The legislative session in Georgia is over. And there were a few, I think, noteworthy things that came out out of that. But uh, but something kind of funny that has been on my mind I wanted to talk about that I did think about because of this Biden situation. And I do want to talk more generally about – as we head into this election season, unbelievably, like, launching 18 months before the actual election, that we – what's really at stake here? I mean, let's – before it starts, let's talk about what is the most important issue, or, or is it just we need somebody who isn't something? You know, we need somebody who can stand up to the media. Like, what is the number one thing that you – the most important uh, election issue? Let's try to get, get that on the record. 404 872 750 1-800-WSB-TALK. My producer Binkley's here, and he sent me a video I'd heard about that, like, the source of the Biden-Trump bickering this week was that Trump posted a video of Biden, and Biden retorted – Very presidential, as usual, something like that. But I didn't actually look at the video until Binkley sent it to me, and it's pretty darn hilarious. So describe it for us, Binkley.
1: Well, the video is a meme, and Joe Biden is sitting explaining something, I guess, in his house. And uh, while he's explaining
0: (laughs) –
1: up behind the couch <laughs> pops another Joe Biden, who then creeps up on the Joe Biden who's speaking on the couch, and his hands start rubbing – Joe starts rubbing Joe's hands and smelling smelling his own hair. Shoulders, I mean, not his hands. He's
0: very handsy. Yes. He's very handsy in that. So he does so, it to himself, too. Did you tweet this? Can you tweet it at me? And I can. At people, whatever. That's at FreedomX Radio is Binkley's Twitter handle. And Trump once, tweeted it yeah. saying, welcome back, Joe. So I don't, What's welcome back? Like welcome back to the politics. I don't know. <laughs> I think so because then he went onto the National Republican Congressman's Convention and said, uh, "You having fun? You fun now? Welcome to the real world, Joe. Welcome to the real world." And like Joe's been in the Joe's been has a role in the real world. I think he took credit for writing the USA Patriot Act, which they tried to pass under Clinton and so joe's just above and beyond in the real world he's been uh kind of fingered for helping seal the ukrainian coup on our behalf so i think th- i think joe isn't as goofy as he seems but what was interesting to me is this idea that memes are so powerful and we have talked about that on the show before to I, I don't I think maybe it was Dean who tweeted at me my uh, number one tweet, one of my one of my number one tweets tweeted at me a I believe it was a slideshow like 150 pages of DARPA or some US defense institution this future of mimetic warfare mimetic warfare And the idea is that they can use memes, which can be pictorial like this or short videos or just an idea, a word, and they use that to expressly uh, many, many things in in this slideshow that we talked about. But one of the things they absolutely do is, and I quote them, they enhance dysfunctional subcultures. And, and in the thing, it says that it's directed at foreign audiences, that it's a weapon. But first of all, I just – I always marvel at the sick morality behind that. You go into a country for whatever reason, is it is it literally lobbing missiles at you? Because if it is, just lob them back. And since we spend half the money in the world on defense that is spent in the world on defense, we spend it. I think we we should be able to get that unless we – Sell it to other people, which I think we should not do. But if they're going into other countries and they're enhancing dysfunctional subcultures, just the, the morality of that, I, I, I withhold my consent as the taxpayer who's financing that. I'm, I am hereby saying I'm coerced into doing that. So, but but here was my deeper level thought is. There was a show, a, a, a video, got making the rounds recently. Somebody tweeted at me, another favorite tweet, of Judge Napolitano saying how Obama, in order to, I believe, launch the investigation under uh, against Trump, they used data that GCHQ, which is British intelligence, had. Because that would mean that Obama would not have to go through the formalities that our law would require if he was going to use our own intel. Binkley, does that sound exactly what he was like, exactly what Knapp was talking about? Yes. Okay. So he then – so and Binkley responded that he and I have been talking about the British influence and – uh, manipulation, the British interference in our politics, ever since the Russian interference meme started rising.
1: Yeah, I think they started the whole thing.
0: Yeah, and I believe it, and and actually, I think they they do too, right? Isn't the Christopher Steele like that's uh, you were so right the day that came out? You're like that's such a fake name. <laughs> <laughs> it is such it is so Rem- Remington Steele reminiscent. So. And, and the Chatham House and McCain cooked that or whatever. No. It, it emerged from a, an interaction between those two. The Chatham House is the mother of the CFR, the Council on Foreign Relations. So I like this stuff is all there. But what I thought was noteworthy is, and I've thought of this before, but then when you hear Knapp saying that, that Obama actually did it, this is what I think is that when I've seen these, I think Smith Munt is one. Uh, There were a few – there are – FISA, of course – there are quite a few laws that allow for things – allow our government to do things to people in other countries or target people in other countries that they're not allowed to target towards Americans. So surveillance and propaganda – they're allowed to direct that at foreign audiences, even if it contaminates domestic audiences. And I, I began to think that, especially in the way that it, with our allies with whom we share data, I mean, judge Knapp was saying GCHQ has complete access to our data. So what's to stop us from maybe not formally, but, or I mean, Obama was doing it, uh, using these tactics against our allies' populations knowing that our allies would appreciate it. They don't have to ask for it, but you could say, "Hey man, you've got a lot of uh ISIS people coming out of London. We're just trying to help you by propagandizing your population and surveilling them." And uh, "Hey man, if you did it to us, like I don't even think we would wouldn't break our laws, blah blah blah." So I just feel like there's probably That's a loophole to watch out for. And it makes me think that since we have dysfunctional subcultures that are being developed and enhanced by front organizations, by the media, by, uh, I mean, even government organizations, but beyond that, when when I see these things appear to emerge inorganically, this populist moment, this white nationalism Meme. I believe this stuff is being – these dysfunctional subcultures are being created and enhanced artificially by people who will benefit from them, and those people are at the top, the CFR, Chatham House, et cetera. Go ahead, Bankley. What do you got?
1: One of the things that they've been caught doing – I can't remember the specific operation, but it was seeding stories in other countries that blew up and ended up getting picked up in our media by media that believed they were real stories. So it, it targeted us in that manner.
0: And you're allowed to – that, I think, is allowed by our laws, that if it wasn't intended – if our government didn't intend a meme or story or propaganda to target domestic audiences and it was just collateral damage, that, I think, is, is allowed.
1: That's what Bernays would intentionally do is create dramatic scenes in other countries, and he'd bring American media there to see it, and they'd come back and report it as truth. And they thought it was truth.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, that could be part of what the mimetic dysfunctional subcultures of other countries, right? So if they go in to the uh, – like the Muslim Brotherhood supposedly was infiltrated by the British a long time ago. Nasser in Egypt in the 60s had proof of that, he said. So when they did that, then they can get them to do things over there. Like Assad, actually, Assad's father was called bloody Assad because he put down a Muslim Brotherhood uprising in Homs in like 1984. And you've got to wonder if that was a dysfunctional subculture that was enhanced intentionally to further geopolitical purpose that had more to do with territory and oil or whatever than it did uh, anything native, anything organic. And, yeah, we're, we get fed those images and and i i bet that would pass their their smell test so i have i do have a lot of people want to talk about the election and what we should be thinking about uh richard ed Tariq, we're gonna let me take my break and then we'll start hitting the calls 800 wsb talk you could tweet at me at monica perez show
2: monica perez maybe something really cool that I don't even know about, you know. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB.
0: I'm back, taking some calls. We've got some great calls teed up here. 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Uh, first, I'm going to Richard in Atlanta. Richard, you're on with Monica. You there? Um, I'm here, and I hear you. Yeah. You're on the air. What you got?
4: That's- Excellent.
6: This is what I got. First off, talking about dysfunction and propaganda and the communist uh, Democratic Party. Um, I'll, I'll tell you why Trump is going to win. For one, he's going to win because they're pushing this stuff called reparation. And there's millions of Americans. And over our dead bodies, are you going to uh, come and accomplish that kind of thing? And America better listen because these people are uh, true in what they're saying. They really hope and wish to enact this kind of stuff. Because they're desperate, they'll do anything they can to try to hold on to power. So I'm out there to warn Americans: you better. When they say this rhetoric that they're saying, they're absolutely serious about it.
0: I I did notice that that came up. uh, I got different when I see like the same headline come up or like the same theme come up from different places all at once. I oh that always puts up a flag to me and the reparations thing. I have to like get my mind around. There's obvious I'm, reasons
6: Monica, why it, it's yeah, it Demonize Trump all the time about saying a racial stuff. You know, they are a bunch of Stalinists. Uh, if anybody's trying to gem up racism, it's the democratic, policy, their identity politics. Um, that's all they focus about because they have no, no, no economic things. They can hold back to, um, Mm-hmm. it's an absolute it's absolutely scary to think how many sheep out there listen to these people and our country is going to be in huge trouble if we listen to these people which i i don't think they will i still think there's enough native born americans that won't listen to this stuff and i don't see no, no way how uh, they can win in, in a general election but in the future uh as demographics change uh I see that as a real possibility. And uh, it, it's scary to think uh, that people are going to just want to collect checks simply because of the color of their skin. That's, that's, uh, and I, I, and I know millions of other Americans, that's why I think they are trying to push us into a civil war and cause resentment between uh, the races.
0: Yes, I agree with you uh, on that, Richard, that you said so many things I want to respond to. So I'm going to take them one by one if I can read my little notes about it. And after the break, I'm going to respond to that. And then I want to get to these great other calls. Uh, I wanna, Ed, uh, Tariq, Colston, they're talking about uh, universal basic income, bump stocks, making people felons overnight. Uh, social engineering. So I think we're we're going to take some deep, deep dives. Coming up after the break, 404 800-WSB-TALKER. Tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show.
2: Monica Perez.
5: This will not stand, you know. This
0: aggression will not stand, man.
2: On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB.
0: I am your libertarian voice on WSB. Saturday is from 3 to 6. And we have we are in the middle of quite a uh, lively and in depth conversation about a lot of the election issues that are bubbling up to the surface, a lot of the big issues that are uh dominating our news right now. 404 zero seven fifty one eight hundred 1 WSB Talk. Uh the caller before the break, Richard, had some you know, mighty uncomfortable things to say that uh you know, hate to be alarmist but he was talking about and and the reason i, I think he's on to something is that i've heard this coming from a lot of different angles this week so, uh reparations so i i don't know what the exact mechanism would be but i think the idea is to make whole the defendants of slavery in this country uh by giving them money that comes out of the taxpayers and, and the your first thought is going to be my. I had I had nobody in this country before, during, or immediately after the Civil War. There's absolutely no chance I had anything to do with that. But then – so I'm sure the argument then becomes – but the legacy of slavery set up winners and losers, and that's why this is necessary. And uh, similarly, I guess, with affirmative action and that kind of stuff. But But the fact is the people who are going to pay – aren't going to see it that way. And what Richard pointed out is that it it will create resentment and it will foment, you know, could foment civil war. And that it does feel like there's, like, this constant push to be angry, violent, rude, go outside the normal processes of the law, uh, totally violate the civil discourse. I mean, people will blame it. People on the left blame it on Trump, but I saw it coming from... uh, you know, Vicente Fox started, it, if you ask me, and he didn't do it on his own. I, I nailed it. The day he dropped the F-bomb on TV about Trump, I said, that guy just changed the entire uh, manner, the culture. That was intentional. He got away with it. Things are – that's that's going to really start happening, and yes, it has. But he also said that it's the left who's encouraging this stuff, the racism, uh and they're not going to let it go away. And I would say they, it's the same thing for poverty. These are where they get their power. And, of course, that's the inherent conflict between the population and the government, is that they get their power out of your fear, your fiscal insecurity on the left or your physical insecurity on the right. And they need to make you afraid fiscally and physically in order to keep especially this two-party PSYOP going. Uh, and and then Richard also said that these are sheeple who are falling for it, and I would say that is actually giving too much uh, moral credit. In that, actually, George Washington said, "You cannot expect people to vote against their own interests. You cannot rely on ideology or virtue or anything when it comes to voting, or or that I I whatever is the exact quote. That's what I took away from it. So they appeal to people by. The, the message is you will benefit from this personally, but in order for somebody to feel good about themselves and not bad about themselves, which is important, they have to tell you that you are morally justified in this benefit because one of the reasons that you're not – don't have that money in your pocket already is that you were the victim of injustice, and they – and sometimes they have to actually move the definition of morality. And I always thought that was the first time I really saw that was do the right thing by Spike Lee. I remember thinking, I just know, <laughs> no fundamental morality could mean that was the right thing. And, and I think what he was doing was making morality completely subjective and moving it around, moving the center of it around. Anyway, so here I picked up Richard's mantle and uncomfortable stuff sorry <laughs> so let's uh let's take some calls 800 WSB. talking and take um uh at first ed in athens you are on with monica
7: well hi monica um i just wanted to uh talk about the bump stock law that went into effect on the 26th of march
0: yeah trump signed it right uh, it wasn't an executive order it was a law he signed
7: no, there was no signing or anything. It was the Justice Department ordered the ATF to make a change in regulation. Ah. All the stocks prior to that came with a little explanation from the ATF as to why they did not cl- classify as machine guns, because they're not a functional part of a gun. They're just the stock. and the, You can do, do the bump thing with almost any uh, semi-auto gun just by hooking your finger in a belt loop. But anyway... They, they did. They made a change of regulation. They did not publicize it, uh, contrary to popular belief. The government has confiscated guns at least twice before, both of them being legal, being machine guns. When they did machine gun bans and forced people to regulate, but they gave them 180 days and they gave them a process to register those machine guns so they could be legally owned through the process of a stamp tax. You know, fingerprints, pictures, you send it off to the ATF. They run, you know, every kind of exam you could think of short of a prostate, and then they send it back to you, either cleared or not cleared. Um, none of that was done for bump stocks. There's no change in the law. There's just a change in regulation. To put into context how many people have been made felons overnight by this.
0: Would so, it be a felony to possess it? what it's a felony to possess them now
7: each one of them is now treated as an unregistered machine gun
0: whoa
7: yeah and it carries all of the felony penalties involved you were you were given no opportunity to register any of this stuff i went into five different local post offices over that 90 days it was not posted anywhere which is the normal process, I asked at the local post offices. They had received no paperwork to post. So just to give an example of sales on these items, in the last three months before this went into effect, the main company selling bump stocks sold over 500,000 of them. In the several years before that, there had been three, four million bump stocks sold in the United States. Everybody that owns one, and and many people own several for different calibers or for different guns or just because, you know, they're Americans and they sh- used to have the right to, um, is now each one of those is a felony charge.
0: Well, I got to say, I, I don't want to get on
7: charge are having an unregistered machine gun.
0: I don't want to get completely off my topic, but I have a couple of comments on that. One is my father always said a registry is a list of targets. So you write – you have a gun registry. object objected to a gun registry because he said that is just a list. It's like what we did maybe in Hungary. I don't not. I think that's what we did in Hungary and Iraq. What Wesley Clark said, we, we got the people to step forward as being willing to fight against the government, and then we abandoned them so their governments wiped them out. So uh, a registry acts like that. You come up and say, I have this – uh, what i what I call resistance grade weaponry so i, I people wonder why don 't they attack handguns, which is where almost every single murder is a handgun in this country they uh, they attack what I call resistance grade weaponry so i i don 't like when they, they only go for the stuff that could actually you could actually put up a fight, and then what you 're saying it 's beyond a registry uh, the problem like my father describes about a registry what you 're saying is you've you've been now you're on a list of felons, I mean assuming they maybe they don't have that list, but you can be targeted for that, so that is alarming if what you're saying is true. I did not look into it at all, so I encourage people to investigate that uh, and and I'll tell you what I learned the first day of constitutional law at Stanford is that administrative law i don't want to hear anybody say it's unconstitutional. Uh, because it probably is. It's that laws created by the executive branch, by anything that's an administration that doesn't go through the process, federal law that does not go through, uh, the legislative branch is, uh, unconstitutional. So, and there's no recourse, right? You can't <laughs> elect out your local FBI agent. Anyway, so let's, uh, let's keep it going. I want to go to Tariq in Atlanta. Tariq, you are on with Monica.
8: Good afternoon. Great to uh, hear this subject. Uh, I digress just a, uh, briefly because I want to uh, comment on, first, the reparations issue. First of all, I'm a descendant of not only former slaves but Europeans. I can trace back uh, 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 an ancestor to the 18th century. And reparations doesn't do anything for the former slaves because they're all dead. You can't punish the slaveholders because they're all deceased. The bottom line is, now, all we can ask is that the system tries to be fair. I don't mean a lot of quotas and stuff because you get into maybe unfairness against the people who are uh, don't get a chance to take part in uh, or, or enjoy opportunities because of it. But really, more than that, It's all part of the big picture. You know, those of us that are trying to learn is just another example of they don't really care. All they want is votes. I know what that's about. It's about power so that the collective make us communists, really. I, I think it's more than socialism because you can see a lot of the communist tactics to try to achieve their goals. And a lot of that, a lot of things even a person that doesn't have time to read or chooses not to, you will notice and it will irritate you. But a lot of things, I think the biggest problem right now is for the last century or so, especially the last 70 or 80 years, the collective side has been progressing with, I believe a lot more comprehensive system to achieve their goal of eventually making us uh, the collective. You know, you know. When I mean by collective, the state, the community. You know, uh, globalism and all of you know communism, socialism, fascism, all of that, nazis, all of it came out of that whole um, sphere. And you have it's very complicated. It's like higher math. You have a lot of different components and elements to try to address it. But I think one of the biggest things, because like one of the gentlemen said. It's it's really disturbing to see how the younger kids, because of the fact that they haven't been educated, well, the older ones too, okay? But you especially yeah. see where they are more subjective or weak or more influenced by uh, their methods and, and the way things are going. They probably will, you know, the United States will be getting more and more socialist within the next I generation.
0: I see. I, I love hearing me say, I think, weren't you a professor at, at one point? No, 3? no. I, well, to I be feel honest, like you taught at Georgia Tech. Uh, you've called before, i like to hear you say.
8: Just, well, yeah, I was adjunct for a while, but I've preferred to be an entrepreneur, so I only did about three or four years.
0: Well, it seems like you have an interest in educating people to what's really going on. So I'd like to hear what you have to say. I I want to, I'm going to have to take a break, which I appreciate, but I want to just emphasize one point, which is uh, that I feel like it's coming to a head now in a way they, you have to, I think it's like in tragedy and hope. I think I read this where you have to disconnect the previous generation from the future generations. And you can do that through, Uh, culture changing in order to change the culture and that's what you're talking about you can do it by a culture changing technology like birth control you can do it by taking the kids away from the parents and um, perhaps through the educational system And I feel like they've tried that so many times, but I wonder if now it has. I see that in the younger generation. I really feel like they cannot think. They are so susceptible. They're so impressionable. They're so susceptible to faulty logic. I do think that's the greatest risk. I gotta take a break. Um, thanks so much for the call. And, uh, Colston, hang on, Ray, Bill, Romolo, uh, Up next, this is Monica Perez.
2: Monica Perez. You
9: maniac! You
0: blew it up!
2: On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB.
0: I'm going to go straight to the calls. Colston in Atlanta, you're on with Monica.
10: Uh, It's Clifton.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. You know, there's a little typo there.
10: (laughs) I'm kind of glad of the first two calls because this is kind of relevant to kind of what both of them had to say. Uh, I'm kind of interested in your thoughts as well. If inevitably our country is heading towards UBI, which it is. Universal in basic years, income. Everybody gets a check.
0: Yes, man. Yep, go.
10: So eventually we will be there. You know, whether it's 50 years or 30 years, we will be there. where it will be implemented. I'm wondering why people aren't making as much of a deal about Andrew Yang and some of the other candidates as he's trying to implement this now. And it, it helps with a number of things that uh, are pretty relevant to your first two callers. Um, the respiration thing.
0: Reparations, yep. Rep, reparation? Yep. Uh,
10: in, instead of that, you're looking at $1,000 a month. And I, I hear the question a lot how does that help people that are already receiving benefits, say $800 a month? Well, a lot of those people that are receiving those benefits, they have. Uh, contingencies that they have to go by. So. Yeah,
0: no, they're going to work it out, but I, I'm picking up, you're right, on the, it ha- probably say serves the same purpose as the reparations as the UBI, uh, the universal basic income, just writing checks. I will give you my take on that after the break. 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Please
8: take my hand.
6: Now open your mind open your mind
0: open your mind open your mind this is monica perez your libertarian voice on news 955 and am 750 wsb every saturday from three to six and boy are we hitting some serious topics I wanted to talk about what were the biggest issues that would face us in the 2020 election. Who? What do you care the most about, really? Not what they tell you to care about, but what you really care about. And the stuff that is coming up is uh, not what I expected. So the last uh, caller mentioned the universal basic in- income concept, which when I first mentioned that or heard about it or was completely not on anybody's radar. It was just a ridiculous idea and it didn't it couldn't even make it into the the lexicon, the book of words because it was just so far out of what anyone would expect but but I'll tell you they they get these ideas out there. It's what my producer Binkley here uh, pointed out was the name of bills that they don't expect to pass like the new green deal. But they want it out there to start the conversation, a messaging bill. And I consider this Andrew Yang, who is the presidential candidate and uh, the Democratic Party who's promoting this idea of the universal basic income, UBI, as a messaging candidate. He has one issue. He's there to push it. It's a big tech thing. Zuckerberg likes it, too. And they say that it's a tech thing. Because robots are going to replace us, and we're going to need to be subsidized, which in which case whoever's building those robots doesn't really need us. Kissinger called people like that useless eaters. But what really galls me about it, what really galls me about that argument is that the United States government, through universities, direct grants, and tax code motives, incentives – uh subsidizes greatly subsidizes tech that gives power to capital over labor when you're making something you have to decide whether you're going to use you're going to invest in a material a factory whatever or you're going to you're going to have laborers so when they when they subsidize people are like you don't like science? I'm like, I don't like it's not that I don't like science. Well, I don't really like science actually. But it's not that I don't like science. I don't want the government subsidizing because they're stealing my money for something I'm not using it for. And but now I realize the real danger of it was that they created an impenetrable Uh, asset class, you know, the people, holders of assets. And now they're saying, well, you're, you're, we have replaced you and we now are going to, through our largesse, compensate you for that. Otherwise we're going to have riots in the street. But in reality, they, I mean, they're working on just reducing our numbers anyway. So, but the, but for me, just the immediate problem with a UBI, universal basic income, is it's the same thing as like moving everybody into the cities and off the land, which is another big thing. You you create this dependency so that – and I saw it with Obamacare, but uh, it was very European to me. We were – what they do in Europe for stuff like health when, when it's paid for by the state is they have to demonstrate. They have to protest in order to get this big, massive – Wealth redistribution or increase in the uh, subsidy, and then hope that it trickles down to them. Whereas for us, if you have your own money and you can you can give labor and get cash and buy stuff with it. Or you can say, you know what? It's not worth it. I have this potato here. I'm going to plant it on the ground. Hopefully, I don't know how potatoes work, but it seems to me like one potato grows one potato, so I don't really understand how it works. <laughs> Can't be true because they have like a million eyes. All right, so you plant your potato, and then at least you have a substitute. You have a way to just walk away. But when you're in a city and there's no way to get food, there's no, you know, they're trying to get rid of everything, the guns, the gold, and the getaway, but also the food, the water, the things that give us independence are the basic necessities, where if you're really at the end of your rope, you can just walk away. And when you have universal basic income, or maybe you have an illness that requires medicine. So, like, watch out for that kind of thing where, like, you have to be plugged into the grid or you cannot survive. I mean, that's the kind of thing that I worry about the most. So, not worry about the most, I worry about everything. But about the UBI stuff is that it creates a dependency where if you need more, you have no lever whatsoever but to beg for it and protest for it and get ever more shrill. And ever more collective. So the collective is on the wanting side. We then have to only act as a body. And I don't, that, it doesn't make sense. It just gives too much power to the organizers, whether they're on the protest side or on the the protestee side. Anyway, so that's, there's my, you know, the one thing that really sticks in my craw about that stuff. I'm going to go to. The phones, Romello or Romolo? Romello? Tell me how to pronounce it. Hey, your how name. are you today? You're, you're on with Monica.
5: Fantastic.
2: These issues that you've been talking about UBI, University of Healthcare, I guess, in a hint of socialism that some people think is coming, um, it's the less way of fighting back. Um, the disenfranchised white male in um, Fox News have made people think that they have to separate all of us and make us all look like peasants instead of looking at the libertarian view of doing for yourself. Fox News is just basically just making everybody, like you said earlier, be like sheep. Follow this nonsense that they keep spit out every day. And,
0: and CNN is, is CNN. That's how we got Trump. Are you saying CNN doesn't do that? That's the only thing. No, that I... no,
3: no, 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 The yeah. CNN needs to report some facts. They may have a biased but,
9: Fox oh, wait wait wait, 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 five minutes. No, every five minutes Fox News is lying hold about on. Something. Like Thomas <laughs> Jefferson said, he who owns the pen owns the people. Uh,
0: you have to stop and talking because I need to rebut or I'm going to put you on hold. So I'm totally with you. Fox is completely controlled, has an agenda, ignores real issues. But y- you think that CNN is a different type of thing? You don't think it's oh, exactly yeah. uh, the Cooper, same? Anderson
2: Cooper is not Sean Hannity. And you, Anderson nobody Cooper's would will say that.
0: only okay. job outside of media was in the CIA. That was his only only job he ever had outside of the news was in the CIA. Anderson Cooper.
10: Okay. So yeah, I, I, I just when, I remember Sean Hennessy was a jerk here in Atlanta.
0: So I, I, it just it, calling people names is not relevant. It's this is the thing. I'm sorry, I can't. You're you're about to. Yeah. You know, starts escalating in, in nonsense. I Binkley, tw- <laughs> Go ahead. why are you laughing? It,
1: if someone genuinely believes that one CNN only gives facts and Fox only does propaganda, then you have no objective, no, no, no opinion that's worth really listening to it's if hard you to- can't.
0: Well it's not no no opinion it's not an actual opinion i don't actually believe that could be anyone I, I well i shouldn't say that people do believe that but it is a result of the propaganda on CNN. they all deceive us that makes you think that and this is something i noticed when it's when i became an anarcho capitalist when i really looked and said wow like it, no one is looking over their own shoulders. It was the, the heart of the dialectic, the two-party psyop. All you're doing is this tunnel vision at the other party across the way and their media outlets and whatever and seeing all the things that you hate about it. There's some stuff probably that you would like about it actually because, uh, To the extent in the old days, the left was the party of anti-war and the right was the fiscally conservative party. I mean, for me, I could look at both of those things and say, yeah, I I appreciate that. But then it got to where only hating the other side was how the political system worked, which is why that Trump-Hillary thing looked so crazy to me. It was really – and what I kind of expected from this show when I asked people, like, what is it that you want from Trump? Like, do you want – the wall do you want obamacare do you want someone who will speak truth to media do you want someone who just isn't whatever the other person is like what really is it because that what that stuff was a part of trump's appeal but but what it all plays into is this psyop this psychological operation where you you buy into the dialectic and you look across the aisle at the at the people Neither CNN nor Fox is talking about the Fifth and Sixth Amendment. Nobody, when they report on Cosby, Bill Cosby, talks about all the constitutional rights that he lost to go to jail right now. Nobody on either side talks about that. It's uncomfortable. It's unpleasant. He's a jerk. But it doesn't matter to us that he's a jerk. What matters is that the press does not point out what is truly happening to us. So driving, herding people to CNN or herding people to Fox is just helping that process go along where instead of seeing it's what it's the ideology of tyranny instead of seeing that at the top above the parties they have. It's the, where money, money intersects with media. It's how I started the show where money meets media. That's what the real agenda is. And the more we think that one half of the media is on our side, whichever half you think it is, the more power they have. What do you think, Binkley?
1: (laughs) I think that he was a troll, and I thought that at the beginning of the call because when you repeated his name back and you asked him, he didn't respond. So I think that was a made-up name.
0: Isn't that weird? Because – When I kept saying Colston earlier and then he got on and he said, my name is Clifton. I was like, oh, that guy's name is Clifton. Mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to mess with him. It was just written wrong on the screen. But I just I was like, oh, like if you if you don't. The guy clearly knows his name, which is you you would think a very basic (laughs) requirement for somebody to to be comfortable with. It's
1: cartoonish to believe that one side only gives facts and the other side only only tells lies. That's a that's a cartoonish opinion.
0: And, and you know, I always thought if that's the way it goes, what's to prevent a bunch of Republicans of secretly sneaking over to CNN and there, acting there like go. Democrats? I there mean, that's go. the thing with Anderson Cooper. His only job was in the CIA. I mean, what is that? Like, let's say I don't know what that means. But he's might, a
1: Vanderbilt.
0: Yes. Yeah. All that. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to deny that if there are oligarchical families you know they're classic anyway so let's uh let's take a break and what do we want to talk about next oh you had a poll of what what were what people polled thought were the most important issues coming up all right 800 wsb talk 404 8720750. 8720750. What do you think uh, are the most important issues to you as 2020 and the 2020 election approaches? Also, you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show.
2: Monica Perez. Well, no one's gonna top that. On News955 at AM 750 WSB.
0: I am gonna give away a prize pack. I have got a pair of tickets to see Celine Dion on her Courage World Tour on Saturday, January eleventh, 2020. At State Farm Arena, tickets will go on sale Friday, April 12th at 10 a.m. at Ticketmaster.com. First to call 404-741-0750. Gets those tickets. And I do have time for a call. I'm going to Jeffrey in Atlanta. Jeffrey, you're on with Monica.
9: Hey, Monica Perez. Uh, I just wanted to say, uh, great show. And I want to re- respond to the uh, person who just uh, hung up uh, who, who said Fox only is bias and CNN Straight facts, and the other gentleman, who on uh, black gentleman, I think he said, uh, you asked him, was he a professor? And I just wanted to say that um, in, in, in our community, which the black community, it's not I don't want to say our community because as a whole, we are all Americans. The um the youth under under thirty has just been so brainwashed to not even see that um, under every president, their community has been getting worse and worse and worse, whether the race or color of the president. And it's just that we don't. I mean, i was saying we. The, the community needs to learn how to how, how to um, flourish in this land of opportunity for themselves instead of just blaming one another and um, and using um and, and just using race. And I remember. And, and let me speak on Tr- uh, President Trump for a moment. I, I'm old enough to remember that I was so brainwashed in my family that when 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 Ronald Reagan was shot, I actually was ha- hoping that he died. Can you imagine the, the, um, the racial hatred in my own family towards white people that was instilled upon me as a child? But, but luckily, I, I grew up and I experienced the world. And when, when, President, when President Trump first started running, I didn't like him as a person, and I didn't know why. That's the ignorance I had. And then I started looking in his background, how old he was, and they said, Well, he had some civil suits against him for on uh, this, that and the other. I said, But but are you not looking at it as a whole? He was he's a seventy something year old man. He was brought up in racial tension. Hold on. and this, Jeffrey. Yeah,
0: yes, can you hang on through the break? I gotta take a hard break for commercials and then but I have something I wanna ask you. Yes, ma'am. Hang on. 800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez.
2: Monica Perez. Wow! That was intense! On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB.
0: Always intense, Libertarian. Saturdays from 3 to 6 right here on WSB. That's me. Uh, I I left Jeffrey on hold the entire break. Sorry, Jeffrey. Thank you for holding.
9: No, ma'am. No problem.
0: Okay. Um. I just there was one thing that there were a few things that you were saying, and uh, can you just give it uh, in a nutshell, kind of your main point or what you want to, and then I and I just want to follow up on something. So give us a little recap.
9: Okay, I was just saying that how, how my community is um, just so being misled. I mean, being misled, the youth under thirty. I mean, as a black person, I'm fifty one years old, and I can. You're
0: fifty you one. Know,
9: Yes, ma'am. Okay. And I can just remember um, how, how, I mean how the racial hatred is being installed upon them, I mean instilled upon them too, as, as being controlled for, for some entity. I can't say what it is, but some entity is controlling them. because I can, I can remember when, when, when President Reagan was shot, and the hatred in my family uh, was so great towards him that I was actually happy that he had got shot, too. So I can imagine now the hatred that's being instilled upon um, young um, um, black people under 30 and their kids about President Trump and, um, mm-hmm. and how our community has been getting worse. And, what, and then when I say community, I'm not just saying the black community, but specifically the black community, but we're all Americans, but we've been constantly getting worse and worse under every president. So it's not the president, it's, 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 our, it's, it's our train of thought and a certain entity has control of that thought and, um, great show. And, uh, I, I just want to ask you your question. I want to yes, ask ma'am. you
0: two things. Yeah. Um, one, you had said, so do you feel if your family had that kind of emotion at that time, do you feel that that was a result of actual trauma or, um, or, thought? you know, their, their thoughts being influenced because you can, if you have real yes. trauma, you can, you can, it's easier to project onto some outside cause, you know, but you're, or you're damaged.
9: Yes, ma'am. Yes. um, As my, my mother is like seven, my mother's 71 now. So she, I could, yes, yeah, she was traumatized back then. I remember when she told me when she was in school that a certain nurse of a certain color uh, when my mom had like ringworm in her head and stuff, and she went to Archer High School here in Atlanta. We we're born and bred here, here in Atlanta, and the nurse just brushed her off. And she had some, you know, she yeah, it's, it, it was from some, some traumatic. But st- I understand that. But still, you still have opportunity from where we yes. from, from 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 other countries. Yeah. Other, if you broaden your perspective from other countries, America is just about the last country where you aren't. Where your future isn't determined by who your family is, who your parents are, or who your parents aren't. Like in Africa or in India, if your parents are a nobody, you will you will be a nobody for the rest of your life. But in America, your your father can be in prison and your mother can be a heroin addict, a functioning heroin addict, which mine was, and you can and you can rise above and be the president of the United States. Yes. You mean to tell me that? That vision isn't stronger than any hate vision.
0: Yeah. So this is what I want to interject here. So, Great call. <laughs> Binkley's loving it. Uh, it's well because it's a perspective that very few people can bring. You can bring one side or the other, but it's not usual people can bring you the uh, a positive synthesis. Usually, the synthesis is a negative thing, but the positive synthesis. And this is what I'm thinking is that what it, what we were saying earlier is that the trauma. So what I think happens is the trauma that people did experience and still do to a less extent, I believe, uh, is exploited. And it's exploited in a way that disempowers people by telling them that the reason for the problem, the reason for all their problems, like worrying about having a bad hair day. Well, people don't like my hair because I'm black. Like you disempower somebody by taking normal insecurities or trauma, and telling them that it's out of their control. So, you know, everybody has a bad hair day, but if you think it's out of your control, it's because society hates your hair.
1: You know what I'm saying?
0: So that it's disempowering, and that's what I find to be so sad about it. And that, and because if one were to feel disempowered, and I felt that way too. I was a scholarship kid. I transferred to community college to Harvard. It was very clear these guys were swapping their dad's internships among each other. So it didn't look like nepotism. I had no hope. I really would like hit bottom and just wonder if it really was so rigged but it wasn't because yes ma'am i i got oh, it was in not insurmountable you know what i mean but if you are so disempowered what you do is what you're actually doing is relinquishing your power up because somebody's promising to use their power but it's not their power it's your power and then yes, we lose the power
9: yes ma'am may i say one other thing before i get off the yeah, phone yeah yeah um to see what they're doing today is one incident, they're magnifying. I, I took a survey from my friends the other day. I, mean, I own a, a I an mean, auto body shop here in Atlanta. And what they do is, I asked everybody, I said, you know what? Raise your hand if somebody in your family, or you know somebody who was discriminated against in the last year. Raise your hand. Nobody raised their hand. I said, so what they do is, I said they they they, they get if, if we if we were to if we were to magnify all the good, it will outweigh the bad every day. The 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 see what what like just Smollett, What happens is if, if your cause that you're fighting for isn't that bad or isn't that worse, you have to artificially manufacture it. And what yes. they're doing is manufacturing hate and all these other things and they do it twenty four seven. So the people who 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 are who who are against hate, you don't fight hate with uh, uh saying uh you trying to fight it. Just be for positive. But the positive people, the good people. The good men, the good women, they're silent. They are they aren't manufacturing goodness twenty four seven. And and I and I and I'll hang up now and yep. God bless you and Thank your you. family and your cause and take care.
0: You too. I hope you call back Jeffrey. I liked your uh very um complex, <laughs> multi-dimensional viewpoint. And and I would say he touches on something that I have mentioned several times, which is that if you have to manufacture an example of the problem that you're trying to change the world to react to, then maybe that problem isn't the real problem. So, uh, and this is the kind of, I remember when Eric Holder took office, whatever, and he said, you know, it's time for us to start having honest discussions about race. And I was like, I envisioned that phone call with Jeffrey. <laughs> I was like, yes, that would be great. Let's all come together. Let's solve the problem. Uh, but I don't think that's what Edward, uh, Eric Holder was envisioning. But I, I read a book a long time ago called Authentically Black by, I think, John McWhorter, who's a black linguist professor at Berkeley, uh, a tweep. Nick Cooper just uh, tweeted to me recently. Make a great interview. I don't do too many interviews, but uh, I'm thinking about that one. And he said that yes, there are there are prejudices and there are structural problems, whatever, but they're not insurmountable. And only if you see them as insurmountable are they. It's like that. There are only two unforgivable sins. Uh, presumption and despair and they're unforgivable because you would never ask forgiveness for them. You presume you're going to be forgiven or you despair of being forgiven. It's that it's, it's allowing yourself to believe that you are disempowered. And then it's so frustrating. It's like what I was saying before about the socialism thing about universal basic income. The only thing you can do then is protest and complain and join together and get increasingly shrill and angry And, you know, you just cannot. That's why I'm an individualist and a libertarian. I want I want to be able to make my own choices, which which funny enough that I should say the pricing mechanism is this is this wonderful thing that if you have free prices, everybody's choices is in that one price. Because if that roll of toilet paper stays on the shelf just a couple of days too long, that price is going to go down. And it's a function of everything that went into that. Maybe he doesn't buy any more of that brand or whatever, but. This individual voting in every way and every day on the individual basis it requires liberty, but it it results in what in economic circles they call maximizing your utility and you get as Ron Paul said in his parting words he uh he concluded that the most good would accrue basically i'm paraphrasing to the most people uh in in an atmosphere of liberty, that liberty is what does it, not control, not whatever. So, uh, Binkley, I know you enjoyed that call. Do you – I'm sure you had like a lot of thoughts. It reminded
1: that. me a little bit of what Kanye talked about when he talked about the the choice to focus on what's good and focus on love and focus on what, what you can yes. do. Oh,
0: yes. That was another thing that I had actually concluded that, and I'm not your uh, – I'm, I'm not like a very spiritual person. I'm not saying like I, I practice religion, but I, and I do, but I'm not like a, that kind of, it's not natural to me. I have to work at it. So when I had this revelation or inspiration or uh, epiphany about what, what can we do? Like things are not good. How can we just pull back the curtain and, and make it clear that those evil overlords are, you know, I just so mad, you know. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, it's what my mother always says. But she just, like, says her thing and just sits there, you know, and watches <laughs> Jeopardy. Like she's just, God is up in his heaven. I don't know why you get so worked up. <laughs> and I say, but, Mom, you put us here because we have to fight the good fight. Blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> she's like. Yeah, I know, but, you know. And then you think, well, that's disempowering. That's why Marx said it was the opiate of the masses. Of course, I think now democracy is the opiate of the masses, that we think that we're making a difference when really all we're doing is throwing stones at each other. But my epiphany was, if you really love, you really love, like, even those people, and it's, like, basically impossible to love people you don't know, but if you view it with love and understanding, and even... This is a little condescending but like even a little bit of pity and believe that there's a god and and it, even if there isn't what harm did it do to approach with love because if there's no god in the end it's hopeless anyway in the end you don't know you know it's there's no hope now if there's no love like what makes humanity worth even the effort if it's not for good right so so anyway, so I I find that inspiring and, and good. Oh, but Kanye, I wanted to add something about that. But you go. If you've got something, Binkley, and then I'll tell you what my Kanye point is. I was, was.
1: going to say, didn't Jesus say that you should love your enemy? I think so. And it's very difficult. That's why they keep us emotionally divided and inject politics into everything so they can divide us because it's very difficult to even want to talk to or work with someone if you feel nothing but rabid hate for them.
0: Yes, and that's what keeps us out. And, and I think – I always thought of the like "love your enemy" thing, the story of the Good Samaritan, where it's just this: who they are, you know. If they're not in your group, then they're they're in the out group, and then you could treat them differently. So yeah. that and that I think is they're very, dehumanized. Yes, and and I really believe that that was the essence of kind of see christ and everybody and since i do have a show on easter i wasn't gonna do it and my husband said make the most of it you know do it but so let's see it i'm not that's not my thing like i'm not the monica for that <laughs> there are other monicas that are better at it so um but the kanye thing i was reminded of because trump was at this national congressional thing uh conference or, I don't know, dinner, and he made this big long speech, and he's like, what should my new slogan be? Like, should we stick with Make America Great Again? I mean, everybody's already got the hats, you know? Or uh, should I... Should we keep America great? Because we pretty much got, you know, mission accomplished. Sell some more hats. Yes. Yeah, well, actually, he didn't say that. that I was ad-libbing there. I was, you know, just giving a little... He didn't (laughs) say that about the hats. You're right, because that is something... You know what, Binkley? He's definitely going to change it because of that. Mm Mm-hmm is my guess, and he's going to make all the hats ahead of time and not tell anybody what the slogan is so he can be the first mover. <laughs>
1: You're right. <laughs>
0: but Kanye's was really the best. Make yeah. America great. Make America great, whatever that means to you. It's that projection thing. Let's wrap it up after the break. This is Monica Perez.
2: Monica Perez.
4: Yeah, well, you know that's just like uh, your opinion, man.
2: On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB.
0: We're wrapping it up. If you did not uh, hear that whole show or you want to hear it commercial free, we post it uh, courtesy of WSB very generously gives it to us commercial free to post on uh, the prop report or you can find it on Monica show dot com. And uh, we also post a podcast on Thursdays so you can get the WSB show on Wednesdays and the podcast on Thursdays on the prop report. And, Binkley, I am going to let you leave us with some an interesting little headline tidbit. What you got relevant to what we've been talking about?
1: A universal income pilot study in Finland. The results have come in, and the goal of the study was to boost employment, and it did not boost employment, did not make people more likely to get a job, but it made people happier, the universal basic income, which, of they course, it a would. lot of
0: vodka there, right? Is the vodka free in Finland, do you think? <laughs> I wonder about that. I tell you about when I was in Russia once a long time ago, and it was like during white nights where it ne- the sun never sets.
1: Oh, you did tell me about that.
0: Yeah. And I, and like my husband and I walked in and we're like, why instead of like a, a nice bottle of Evian on the nightstand, it's like a bottle of vodka, like a little flask of vodka Yeah. Like four in the morning when we were wide awake because of the sun, we're just like, oh, <laughs> so I feel like they give it away. Like they like bread lines, simply the vodka lines there. But, yeah, I wouldn't, expect, I wouldn't expect people to be happy to get more money and, and <laughs> it wouldn't change their behavior because they had more money. It's, it's, it seems like it would be less likely to find you, a, get you a job. Yeah. Anyway, no surprise, but we, uh, this may be a surprise. We'll be back at our regular time next Saturday right here on WSB from 3 to 6. This is Monica Perez.